Hump Day Quickies Swingers Confessions is intended for mature audiences only and contains explicit language and sexual situations. This is not intended as any professional advice. Welcome to Hump Day Quickies Swinger Confessions. Here in the sex apartment, we share our own sex positive stories and welcome our friends to open up about their experiences in the ethically non-monogamous lifestyle. Violet and Picasso come to the sex apartment to tell us how fantasies of threesomes and the search for double penetrations got them started in the lifestyle. And we're back at the sex apartment. Today we have Violet and Picasso joining us. Hi. Hello there. Welcome, welcome. As we always do, the first time we sit down with somebody, we love to jump in first with how you discovered the lifestyle. So that would be my fault. I've always been very sexually fluid. I discovered in high school that I enjoyed sex with both men and women. That age-old question of, well, how do you make that work? How do you move forward in relationships with male partners, but also be able to maintain that part of you, that bisexual part of you that is interested in women? I just took it with me in every single relationship that I've ever been in. I've always been very upfront and honest right at the onset and brought it up in conversation. Sometimes it's worked out. Sometimes it hasn't. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure initially that's a real rough one for it's, guys to handle. You know, it's like, it's, wait, what? Yeah, it's, no. Sometimes it's been a lot of learning. And so it was no different in this relationship. I have my own very strong personal opinions about the social construct surrounding sexual monogamy. But a lot of people are really tied to it. It's always like a 50-50 when you bring it up. Someone is going to be like, what? You're, no. What? No. And other people are like, hell yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, let's dig into those yeah. opinions of years. I just never agreed with it. From a relationship standpoint, I get it. He is my person. We've been together for a very long time. He is my best friend and the only person I want to spend life with. Like he's the only person that I want to come home to every day and share the ups and downs and the good and the bad with like that whole thing. But I want to be able to have sex with other people. Like that's really just how it goes. And I really always hated feeling like I was put in this box of like, you can only do this. You know, my parents have been high school sweethearts. They've been married for 40 some years, very long time. I looked at that and I was just like, oh, it just felt constricting. You know, the idea of only ever being with this one person forever. And I was just like, life is too short to have vanilla sex. It really, it just is. I wanted too much. And so I felt totally comfortable telling everybody like, listen, this is how I feel about it. If you really feel strongly about it and you are a hundred percent against it, and this is like a make or break thing and, and it's totally a deal breaker, I can be respectful of that. Will I be happy? No, but I can be respectful of it. That's totally fine. I've always felt like there's just so much more to life than bland. And and not that it would be, you know, I'm sure there are people that have very fulfilling sex lives and then they're, they're only with one partner forever. And that's great for them. But there were too many things that I like to experience that would fall outside of the realm of that monogamous situation that I really just felt like I wanted to be able to continue to explore. And I don't even remember how, do you even remember that conversation? It was from my perspective, I think I was trying to use it as a bridgeway to connect connect with you. And when you had brought it up, you were in a relationship and I was married at the time and I had mentioned it and you were like, "Mm, no, not really. 
sticks tight. This is a true story. Uh, I think we're going to have to we're going to have to rewind here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So at the time when you brought this up, you guys were in. Yeah. So let's let me. Okay. So let me just <laughs> let me clear the air because I'm sure there's a likely to be questions here. Yes. When he and I met, he was married. I was engaged. I think it's safe to say for both of us that we were very unhappy in our current situations. We happened to meet each other. It was sort of coincidental that we happened to be in the same place at the same time. He ended up working for me or we were both working for a private security company and he ended up working on one of my teams at a special event. It was just really kind of a pretty instant connection. The further along that went, the less denying there was to it. And it eventually got to a point where it kind of self-imploded. Our respective relationships came to an end. Now the relationship you were in at the time. Yeah. You were in a lifestyle type situation? Yes and no, sort of. It was one of those things where if he was like drinking a lot and he was feeling really loose and he was all about it. And then I feel like sometimes if he was... (laughs) Stone cold sober. He was kind of like, oh, you know, I don't know. And so it was kind of one of those things where it was like every now and then it would happen, but it really wasn't a consistent thing. And there really wasn't like a whole lot of exploration. It was, oh, this person that we know. And I think a lot of people start off that way, right? It's someone that you know that would be interested or that would agree to it. We were sort of riding that fence rail. Now, was this all females at the time? It was, yeah, it was all females at the time, no couples. Throughout the course of our relationship, we were together for almost five years. Years. And throughout the course of a relationship, there was only a handful of people. You know, it wasn't like a, a really super consistent thing. He would be open to it when the moment arose. You know, he was totally fine with it. But his situation was completely, even if she would have been our type, I don't <laughs> anticipate that that would have been a situation that it worked worked out enough because she's staunchly conservative and very like, and, and I'm not even saying just like, oh, she's politically conservative. Like she's just conservative in nature about all of those things. And so very traditional belief system. So I don't think that that would have been something. Yeah, but that's how I was. I grew up, you know, I'm like, Hosier, take me to church every Sunday, Wednesdays. You know, when you look at sex as from a religious perspective, the the church only wants you to have it with the person you marry. Mm -hmm. I I was far from that. Yeah. yeah, I'm the I'm I'm that yeah I'm that one who lost her virginity to a girl at church camp. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, take me to church yeah. anytime you sure, want. Sure, right? Yeah, yeah I'm know, totally down for that. I love church camp. Uh, it's awesome. It's almost like band camp. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Somewhere where you're forced to go and you're forced, these specific beliefs are forced upon you at such a young age, you don't know any different, right. you know, and it wasn't until the service. We went up to Halifax, Nova Scotia, you know, there were some off-limit areas up there that the ship basically came out and said, if shore patrol catches you over there, you're, you're going to the brig. I never went, but some of my buddies did. And, you know, they come back with stories here and do stuff all the time. We're in service, especially when you pull in a port, whether it's in Halifax or the Bahamas, even stateside, you, know, you get into trouble. Navy, all you do is drink. <laughs> this one here, whenever she drinks, she gets into trouble. So. 100% correct. Yeah. And I think my story is, my origin story is pretty similar. You know, it was an act of rebellion. I grew up with the same rhetoric that I think a lot of teenage girls did in the Midwest in the late 90s, early 2000s. You know, oh, your body is the temple and you respect it and it, sex is reserved for only the people you love. And I just never, I just didn't subscribe to that belief system at all. I vividly remember my very first threesome. I was like 16 at the time. And it was literally one of those situations 
where a very good friend of mine and I both had an attraction to the same guy. It starts off with the, oh, well, he's off limits to both of us, right? Because you don't want to ruin your friendship. And the more we started talking about it, the more we were like, why? But why? Like, why does it have to be that? Like, we're 16. This is not the person that either one of us is going to spend the rest of our lives with. We're not in love here. We just want to sleep with each other. Like, (laughs) why can't we? We collectively kind of came to that idea. We brought it up to him and he was like, yeah, let's do it. This is fantastic. Like, the, no, please, yeah. ladies, don't do that. Um, and so we sort of became this little trio that just slept with each other, and it worked out great. And I was like, why can't life just be like this forever? And I was determined to make it that way. <laughs> I've had some bad situations. The first sort of serious relationship I had, I had brought in a friend of mine. We had set some ground rules that got broken very quickly. And by my very close friend at the time and my boyfriend, this was a thing that the three of us were going to do together. Like Mm -hmm. this was something that the three of us were going to participate in. It all of a sudden turned into they were hooking up whenever they wanted to, you know, whether I was there or not. And I was like, this isn't what's supposed to be happening here. It got messy. It got really messy. And that sort of was like my first experience with, okay, we're going to set these boundaries and we're going to make sure that we stick to them and they are super important. And anybody that I talk to about it, because I'm fairly open about it, there are certain people that I don't share my story with, but I'm fairly open book when it comes to it because I feel like just my path in the lifestyle has not always been, you know, rainbows and butterflies. There's been lots of missteps. Even in our journey, there have been missteps where we've had to stop and say, okay, well, I think this calls for a new boundary. I think now (laughs) we've realized that we need to. And most of it honestly is on my part because I tend to drink and get myself in trouble and... (laughs) It's happened more than once. So you're saying instead of starting with a tight set of rules, you started with a broad scope and narrowed it down. Yeah, and then narrowed it down. Yeah. I mean, you know, we came up with a pretty good set of boundaries. We knew right away that this was something we were going to do together. It wasn't something that we were interested in. When you talk about like the lifestyle, it's such a broad term and it encompasses so many different scenarios for us. We didn't want to have a polyamorous relationship because from a relationship standpoint, it's just the two of us. And that can be exhausting enough as it is, like without having to worry about a third (laughs) or fourth person or however many it is. We weren't really interested in open relationships for that same reason. Like this was something that we do specifically to strengthen our bond with each other. It is not something that we're interested in doing separately. So that was really the only thing that came down to it. It It's like, okay, we need to be safe. And we wanted to be together when we did it. And that's where you started. And that's where we started. And now back when we first started doing this in this relationship, there really wasn't this huge scope of community that there really is today where you could really connect with other people. I mean, we had to do the old school, like put an ad in Craigslist and hope that the person that showed up. (laughs) All right. Now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's rewind back. Okay. Working security. We were working together in the same place. We just connected with each other and we just started talking. And I think a lot of it was commiserating on both being in a situation where neither one of us were in really happy and as time went on and we never slept with each other let's just put it out there was there was say, what, back to back to security and what kind of connected the both of us together i was taking a class one day i was i had my michigan bugging on yeah yeah and she's seen that and then she approached me and she had a michigan keychain uh, keychain that she still has yet to give me, even though she said she was going to give it to me when we got married. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> well, yeah. she's to thinking. Be, to, well, to be, I did. Okay. And then, and then from there, it was right. But yeah, let's yeah. be let's let's be honest here. When I said that, because he would walk past my office, and my office had a window in it, and I could see him staring at me every time he would walk past my office, and so. The one day I did, I said, oh, nice hat. And he pretty much ignored me because- Terrified. He thought- (laughs) Fucking scared. 
I don't know that I believe that. Yeah, he ignored me. And I was like, um, okay. And then I had to show him my keychain. I was like, no, like, I'm not trying to give you shit. Like, it's really random that we both happen to be University of Michigan fans. I'm, I was just being genuine. Like, I really do. And then the way that it officially turned into something progressively more, I got a text message from him on my work phone that apparently was intended for someone else. He says that he meant to send it to this other person and it came to me instead. Then it just went from there. Like that's where this is back in the day where you had the Nokia flip phone and you had to like scroll down. Had to scroll yeah. down. And I was driving at the time. I meant to send it to Talaro. So wait, so up. what was the message? Cowboy up. Was it cowboy up? Cowboy the fuck up? Something yeah, like something. that. And I was like, what? what? One, I had literally never heard that phrase before. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, oh, damn, my bad. Like, I'm sorry, I meant to send this to Talaro. And I was like, mm, okay. It took off from there and we just continued. 15 to- years later and she still doesn't know what that means. <laughs> I know what it means now. I didn't know what it mean- meant then. And it just went from there. And it became pretty obvious about six months. There was no denying the connection. It was very clear to the both of us that this was where we belonged. And so, yeah, we got a divorce. I ended my engagement and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> So how did you bring up your relationship guidelines? We were in LA at the time. We ended up getting together. It was, wasn't was too too long after we officially became a couple that we moved out to LA. And I remember it was a conversation that we had you know, via text message. I was just started talking about fantasies and... You know, of course, every guy, you know, seeing two girls, you know, being with two girls at the same time is like your ultimate fantasy. You know, it was something that had always been in the back of my mind. You know, I'm never, you know, I never really had any objections to it from the start. To me, it's, you know, I don't even have to be drinking to want to do something like that. You know, the fucking, let's just do it. That's how we started talking about it and what was the best way to go about it where do we find people with who share those similar interests at the time this was back in 2009 technology and and social media really wasn't you know this is back in fucking myspace mm-hmm. and it was yeah. was the thing craigslist and i believe adult friend finder was the platform that we ended up ultimately deciding on and it's been quite an experience at the beginning there was no real sense of the importance of boundaries you know it's something that you learn the hard way and and that was pretty much it. It was just, we knew we wanted to be together and that was uh, pretty much the only one. <laughs> and then certain situations have come up where you're like, okay, we're going to add this one to the list. And it just, so what was your first experience together? It was that guy, right? Mm-hmm. From Craigslist that came to the house. There was no, you know, the clubs in the community have been around forever, but when you're really on that side of things, you don't know where to go, how to connect with people. Where do you even find that? So for us, that's what it was. It was the back page of Craigslist and you put an ad up. It was a guy. You don't even remember his name, do you? And wasn't it Mike? It was fucking Mike. The soccer player? I remember some <laughs> yeah. bits and bits of it. He was like mid-20s. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and he came over the house. And it was so late at night too. And it was. it was Because what, what happened was, you know, when, when we were in LA and we started talking about it and, you know, we actively started looking... She ended up getting I got pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, I got pregnant oh. with our son. And, then, and so that put a, kind of put a pin in it. And so we moved back home and we didn't have a community of people. We didn't have, there were people that we hadn't gotten back in touch with. And so it's like, well, what do you do? So that's what you did. And that, Now, what did your Craigslist ad say? What were you looking for? I think we were pretty much open. We, yeah. at that point, we weren't really particular about couples or single guys or females or it was just kind of it was the age height weight proportion yeah like yeah as long as you you took care of yourself 
drug disease. Free. Right. That was our biggest thing was like, it was something like that. Like we were pretty much just open, like, Hey, we were just looking for someone to, you know, have fun with. And this young guy answered the ad. I don't know. I go back and forth. I'm like, Oh man, did we, you know, was this guy like really kind of trying to find who he was in this world? And we kind of <laughs> took him in and took advantage of him. I don't know, but uh, he was a consenting adult. Let's be clear. He was a consenting <laughs> adult. Um, but yeah, he did. And he was very, he was a bisexual, you know, mid twenties, very attractive guy. And he came over and hit spot. Hit the spot. Yeah. We had a lot of fun with him. He was very generous to both of us and uh, that kind of like really kicked it off. Now, how did you transition from every guy's always wanted two girls and then all of a sudden your first experience is with another guy? To me, it was the whole concept of double penetration. Because the way that it played out is he came over. She was still upstairs getting ready. Him and I had a cigarette or whatever. And then we came in. We sat down next to each other on the couch. And she comes walking down in lace and pretty much nothing. And just starts commencing to giving both of us blowjobs at the same time. It's a fine how do you do. I like that. Yeah. And that's how that was how I wanted it to play out. Okay. I mean, I think it was the, the fantasy of her being on top of somebody and me coming in from behind. And you managed to uh, achieve that goal yeah. first time? Yep. Nicely wow. done. Nicely yeah. done. <laughs> and I think that's been a lot of it. You know, that that's kind of the whole point, right? Is that everybody has fantasies and I loathe the idea that people feel shamed for those fantasies. It's always been about exploration. What are those fantasies? And that's something that we can share with one another and that this lifestyle allows us to, because that's how it is, right? There's always that, even today, there tends to be a lot of taboo surrounding the subject of sex. And especially if it's not really sort of mainstream, typical kind of stuff. So for us, it was just really about being able to explore those things with one another and not be in a situation where you couldn't. I just didn't want to live like that. And so, yeah, that was something that he he had always fantasized about and me, I was game for anything. Let's do it. That's how it happened. And then it just went from there and it hasn't. The only thing there hasn't been for us thus yet is a single female, surprisingly enough. Well, they're unicorns. They are. Yeah, there is a reason. That is true. They're hard to find. Um, as we, you know, and we've gone to a couple of the like couples and unicorn events at the club <laughs> and you're just like, oh my gosh, what is this? So we sort of resigned ourselves back to- What is that? <laughs> We've sort of resigned ourselves back to couples yeah. with bi partners because that seems to be the situation that works out the best. We did have a bad situation. First experience with this single guy was fantastic. It went off without a hitch. It was great. Came over. We had a ton of fun. He left. We literally never talked to the guy again. Like it was great. It was the way it should have been. We have run into some other issues with some pushy single men that have sort of caused us to go in that direction of going back towards couples because it just wasn't worth uh, the headache it was causing us. So we said, yeah, we're going to kind of, and so again, it was one of those things where it started off really broadly and we've sort of narrowed down what works and what we like. And so that became the objective then is um, full stop couples with by females or by part, both partners by was fine too. So, so you find the club and I don't even remember how, if somebody mentioned it, was, it I think to it was us? just like a search on the internet, yeah, you know, I, swingers clubs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was the only one that came up. And then we went to that one. Yeah. We tried a couple different, we, we, we so, tried a couple different ones. It was like two blocks down from so the homeless shelter. Let's start with your first one. Yeah. What was the experience like? It was memorable for probably not all the right reasons. It was an interesting thing. So surprisingly enough, considering that this is my, this was sort of my thing. When it came to our first club experience, I was petrified. <laughs> I was 
completely petrified. He was game from the very beginning. He's like, yeah, let's do it. He usually pretty is much down for anything. And I took a little bit more convincing. So we planned the night. We got a hotel. We pull up to the club and we must have sat in the parking lot for what, an hour? I don't know. I think we wasted. <laughs> Maybe we wasted, we, like we wasted a good amount of time. Five gallons of gas just sitting, <laughs> sitting there in with the car, the car running. Because I, I was, it was petrified. And I wanted to see, was I overdressed? Was I not? Because I had no, literally no idea. So I show up in a dress that was very revealing. Um, luckily, I had like an overcoat thing with me. And so we sat there and just watched people go in and out of the club. It had to have been at least an hour in the parking lot before <laughs> I was finally like, okay, let's do it. We're going to go in. So How we many go times? In. Okay, let's go. Wait, no, not yet. Okay, let's go. So we go in <laughs> and uh, we pick a seat at the bar because at this particular club, there were seats at the bar. So we popped a squad at the bar and I proceeded. Didn't, didn't they, didn't they? Walk us they did. They did give yeah, us a tour. Had, yeah, we had somebody that gave us a tour. Very this. nice gentleman that yeah. gave us a tour. Your first opinion walking in compared to what you were anticipating versus what you saw. There was not a lot of people. There um, was not a lot of people. It, it almost felt like a dance club. Yeah. Because when you walk in, it was like the bar was to the left and then, and then they had on the right, they had a you know really big dance stage. Mm-hmm. And then, then there were tables. And then once you go past the bar, it was... The back. You know, the back. Area, where all where the all private the rooms, rooms and everything. Were. Yeah. The clientele at this particular establishment was not quite what I was expecting. I was expecting more like us, you know, of similar age range and a similar physicality. And that did not happen. There was a lot of single men, very gawking kind of sulking around, staring at people kind of things. But the people that we did talk to were, they were very nice. nice. Everybody was very nice. Nobody was rude or anything like that. We did not find anybody there in particular that we were instantly attracted to or anything like that. So we took to talking with people. We did end up going and finding a, one of the private rooms in the back later on in the evening. And it was just the two of us. So we this is the first time that we learned about the door policy because they had a very similar door policy. So we shut the door. We knew that people were out there because we shut the door. We, we did. We put the chain up. No, we shut the door. I remember just. You remember <laughs> it was that room with the desk in it. Oh, okay. And yeah, we had the door one. shut. Yeah, we had the door shut. But you knew that people were outside because you could hear like cell phones buzzing, and you knew people were standing out there side just listening. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a particularly quiet person. I'm not obnoxiously loud by any means, but I'm not particularly quiet. So you knew that people were standing outside listening, which was a huge turn on. But it was very. It was an interesting sort of juxtaposition where you're like, part of you's like, oh my gosh, there's people out there. And then the other part is like, oh, there's people out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was pretty much that experience. We did not go back to that club. Um, we decided to try a different one that we had found. So we did the same thing. We got a hotel room. We go to this club thinking it was going to be a same experience, not knowing at the time that it was a fetish club. Oh. So that was interesting. That club did not result in any type of play whatsoever, even with just the two of us. We spent the majority of the time outside. They had this really great outdoor area and fire pit. And we, same thing, just talking to people. And that's, you know, a lot of the times that's how it is for us. We just connect with people. And it was somebody there that had said, why are you here? Like we drive specifically to go to this club and we're like, well, shit, what are we doing out here? So we're like, the next time we go, this is going to be where we go. And we have not looked back since. So we started going when it was the in the old location. That's how we got into the whole club scene is just deciding like, where can we go? Because this whole, we started off with the whole, well, let's get to know people. Let's go out to dinner, just try to connect, see if there's any chemistry. And we did. And then we found that transition to be really difficult. So there was this one couple that we really liked and I kid you not, we must've gone out with them like three or four times. And 
we would come back to the house. It was just sort of awkward. You, we couldn't find the right time for that transition. And then finally one time it happened and it just, you know, we were in our house. It wasn't really neutral territory. The male partner in there had some issues and was just really kind of uncomfortable. And so it sort of fizzled out from there. So we were like, there's gotta be a better way. Like there has to be a better way. And this was before TikTok. You know, now there's like a huge swinging community on TikTok mm-hmm. where there's all this information and like it just wasn't there for us. And so it's hard for guys. I'm sure you know, I, yeah, it's true. like females. You really don't have to worry about much. Just look it and stick it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I, you're not wrong. You know, the guys, I think even myself, it's like there's times where you're in your you, head. You feel embarrassed. Yep. You know, and really? Oh, yeah. And you get that. Get that feeling. There's some times where it's like, bam. Alpha Gal, we're off to yeah, the races. Yeah. Interesting. And well, so, you yeah, know, I don't blame I, I couldn't blame him. No, no. For, I'm, you know, no, not at all. But it just, it, we found that to be, it, it just wasn't working out for us um, in that way. So we said, well, what other options are there? Sort of how we ended up on the club path. And it's been what's been most successful for us thus far. Now, at what point in all of this did you go, oh, shit, there's a lifestyle? And it wasn't just, oh, I, I like to have sex with multiple people. I think there's always been that. It's hard because the term has always been swingers. You know, you're swingers. But I think that can be this negative connotation there where people think back to like wife swapping parties that happened in the 70s where you mm-hmm. literally would go to a house and like you would hand off your wife to somebody else and you somebody else would hand their wife off to you. And so that's where it is. But I, I don't know at what point. I think it was probably when we got into the club scene and we realized there was this big community of people who felt the same way. It's always been one of those things that you kind of, for a long time, would keep hush hush. Like you didn't want to tell anybody because people thought you were crazy. Even still, I mean, even now, we're literally so embedded in this concept of sexual monogamy that even still today, you can be the most progressive people and still be staunchly traditional when it comes to sex within a marriage or sex within a relationship. And so it wasn't really until we came back that we started realizing that there was this huge community of people that were just like us, people who had families, people that were professional, they were highly educated, they were normal everyday people that just enjoyed sex with other people. And honestly, it wasn't until probably just recently, I would say within the last year or so that we came across, maybe two years, that we came across the ethically non-monogamous. Um, and I was like, I love that. I love that phrasing of it, that turn of phrase, because I feel like that's exactly what it is. I'm pretty open about it. I will talk to people. They want to know more. We had a, a young couple that had come to us last year with the same thing. I especially, again, When I drink, all bets are off. There's literally no (laughs) telling what's going to happen. And so... I, we were at a gathering and, and I, of course, was being loose-lipped. And so the male reached out to me and was like, hey, I overheard something. I'm not sure if I was meant to overhear it, but I overheard it and I'm curious. Like I, And I'm like, spit, you know, just ask what you're going to ask because you're beating around the bush. Just come out with it. And they were like, are you swingers? And I thought long and hard on it. Like, where do I go here? You know, because this person is relatively close to us. And um, I was like, oh, do I want to go down that path? But we didn't have anybody to help us. We didn't have anybody to share tips and tricks and and suggestions and you know we that we could go to for advice so i said yeah yeah we are and uh, they were like oh can i pick your brain like my wife and i are thinking about this like we're considering it and i just i have some questions can i ask you some questions and i was like yeah far away and uh you know cuz i wanted to be that resource like i said you know it's it's not even for us, it hasn't always been successful and it's been a, a learning curve. And so if we can help anybody else 
then we're going to, and we did. And as far as we know, it's been pretty successful for them so far as well. And, and I told him, I was like, listen, does your partner know that you're talking to me about this? Because that is going to create a whole mess. And so I was very adamant, like you need to make sure, because again, it was the same thing. Like this is not something we're not back channel kind of people where we're going to say, okay, I'm going to go down this path with somebody else. And you're going to go down this path with somebody else. And it's going to be like, no, it's something that we do together because that's what we want. And so I was like, you need to make sure that your partner knows that we're having these conversations and he was good about it. And he told her it gave us an opportunity to just have some open conversation with them and, and not make them feel, I think that there can be times where you feel like outcasts. This is something that's really goes against the societal norms. Are you, you know, and sometimes you stop and go, man, are, am I a weirdo? Yeah. (laughs) You know, but in the end, at the end of the day, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> I'll be at weird. all. Absolutely. All the best people are. If this all is weird. The, Fuck it. Yeah. Good. All the best people are. So it was really just about finding this community of people who, you know, were really open to things. And it was like, listen, we love each other. This is no threat to our relationship. If anything, like I said, it, it creates a stronger bond for us in particular, because it requires an immense amount of trust in one another, not only just to engage in the lifestyle, but to be open and vulnerable with each other about saying, this is what I like. And, you know, being able to share that with someone who's not going to look at you and go, oh, that's weird or that's gross or mm-hmm. who knows what, you know, everybody has their own opinions on something like that to be vulnerable with somebody and be able to share those really deep fantasies. And then especially to act them out, it really requires a, a tremendous amount of trust. It's just something for us that I feel like has really enhanced our relationship. So even though you're a weirdo, you yeah. found your group of weirdos because yeah. it sounds like to me, you went through a couple different club scenes mm-hmm. and you found your club that works best for you. Kind of what I love about that is that you talked about the transition and how difficult that was at home. And we frequently talk about that a lot in that we struggle all the time with transitions. We totally enjoy being social with our swinging community of friends and having that moment where you get back to the home, the sex apartment, wherever it is. And you have this moment where you're like, wait, we're both here to do the same thing, but that transitioning to that moment, it just either doesn't happen or you run out of time or it's just awkward and you don't know how to make the transition. And then kind of finding, so you find that you are more successful in the club atmosphere because there is less of a need for a transition. Yeah, I think so. Even when you know, even when you are in a, a home atmosphere and you're in, you're there for a specific reason, we're all adults. We all know why we're here. Like that is not, there's no- What we signed up for. Right. Yeah. And, um, but it still can be, and especially for me, because I am a highly social person and I talk a lot and I just like being with people. And so I'm totally comfortable in that environment. And it can be, if allowed, I will drone on forever. Like I have to be stopped. Like somebody feeling. has to stop me. <laughs> Because I will literally, we, I'll we just talk for yeah. But but here's a zinger for you. Would you rather your parents find out that that we're in this lifestyle, or my parents find out that we're in this lifestyle? Oh God, your parents all the way. You're all the way because I don't. I don't really care what your parents think. I don't have to see your parents all the time. Like we see my, we're part of this very. I have this very tight knit family. My parents are, and my father is one of those people who is deeply deeply traditional in that sense. And so there is no way that he would ever even, he does not have the capacity to understand this in the fullest. And the worst part about it is, is that I know that even if I was like very open about the fact that this was my thing and that I was the one that brought him into it, he'll never see it that way. He will forever blame Picasso for it. Be like, he will blame him forever because- that's just the way that he is. So you're, I don't have to see your parents. I wouldn't care. hundred times. You know, I wouldn't care, I but it's, 
you know, you, you say that you talk a lot and you definitely talk loud enough. You know, I'm sure people that are six, seven <laughs> campsites down from us <laughs> would have probably approached you with the same question. It's, it's very possible. So are you saying that they are you telling me it's that there's a chance that they know? They already know. <laughs> <Yeah>. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. And there but that's you know that's another thing like they they're very uncomfortable about sex. And that's how I grew up. There was no the sex conversation growing up stopped at procreation. Like this is this is the physical act that required you to have children. Right. That Nothing the else. idea of sex or pleasure was not a thing. Yeah. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't let on that my parents didn't have an overly affectionate relationship. To be completely honest with you, I don't think they like each other very much <laughs> at this point <laughs> in time. Something great about the lifestyle and that I always find it very difficult is that we'll have an exceptionally fun night and you want to share it. You want to tell people how much fun you had, what you did, and then we have to be tight-lipped about it in our, you know, vanilla social circles because you don't know what people will think. You don't know how they're going to judge you. And yeah, God forbid your parents find out or something like that. And so it's kind of sucks because you're like, I'm living this really great life that I have to keep to myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bummer. And that's kind of, that became one of our boundaries was we both work for the same organization. It's a professional organization. And we set that boundary of nobody from work because it's the same thing is that we see more and more how people's personal lives, whether it's what they post on social media or any of those things that they engage in in their personal lives that can have sort of detrimental effects on their professional lives. And yeah. so I was like, it's that compartmentalization yeah. where you're like, you have to keep this separate and it does it sucks it kind of sucks still argue that point it's not fair <laughs> yeah. you know especially when this one will send you a picture of her and her best friend at work without their shirts on <laughs> that did happen <laughs> that, that did happen he's right that's not fair that's, it is not you you are correct that, that rules is are made the, to be broken she, and she would be the only she would be the only one that we would break that rule that we would bend that rule for one of my best friends but again she is in a she is in a very monogamous relationship. And even though she feels strongly about wanting to engage in this type of lifestyle, her partner absolutely says no, <laughs> not a chance. And so, and there's your ethical. Yeah. Honor. Right. And so, you know, it, it is, it's, it's, you're constantly under that pressure of like, Ooh, who's gonna find out. And you walk that fine line of, do you care? Cause there are, there are some people in our personal life that know I have another best friend. He knows all about it. I, but again, I've been friends with him for 20 years. So he sat, you know, he saw me my whole life Probably engaging it out. Yep. Yeah. You know, so he knows about it. It's been helpful for us to have this community of people because that is the, but to me in my personal life, like, listen, do I have friends that I enjoy spending time with? Sure. But would I prefer to have friends that I enjoy spending time with that I can also have sex with at the end of the night? Yes. <laughs> That's much more preferable to Absolutely. me. Yes. Now, does it always happen? No, but that is a much for more preferable situation for, for me to have. And and I do, I do. I find that it's a lot easier uh, sometimes at the club because I mean, we've all been there, right? You have a great night and you're like, yeah, we're heading in that direction, but you just can't find the moment. And he's usually the one that does that. He's usually the icebreaker at some point because he'll leave it up to me thinking that it's going to be me because I'm far more social and I'm not, cause I'll just drag the night on forever. And he'll eventually get to the point and be like, all right, are we, doing are we going back to a room? Right. Or what? What's happened? Like this is all right, let's go. Speed it up. Rooms over there. <laughs> speed, let's speed it up. That seems to be the story of our relationship with Violet and Picasso. Yeah. Not just them, but others. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. I will say we have hung out with them several times and talking, 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 kids start texting and okay, it's time to go. Damn it. Why didn't we do anything? 
But anyway, one of the first things that Violet mentioned was how in every relationship, as she starts, she says, here's what I'm into sexually. Here are my expectations. That's very nah. upfront. Very very, well, very yeah. upfront, not take it or leave it, but this is where I'm at. Let me know where you're at. Yeah. And I could see how somebody meeting someone for the first time might think that saying something like, yeah, I'm into girl, girl play and threesomes might think, especially the man on the other end might be like, oh, she's just trying to get me hot and bothered and this will go away oh, see, once I, we get serious. Oh, and I would totally be like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> there, <laughs> well, I know, but no- that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like somebody might at some point be like, hmm, she's reeling me in with this. Like, this is something she's maybe more skeptical. Person. There, there I don't know. <laughs> no blood left in my brain because it would all be down in my <laughs> other head going, hmm, but I tell me more. That would be, I'm just saying that I, I guess guys don't think that way. <laughs> uh, maybe some do. I, I I bet some do, but no, I, once I heard that, I'd be like, okay. See, if you told me you met a girl and she immediately starts telling you her sexual desire is to be with another girl and you, I would immediately think, oh, she's totally just telling you that to get you into her and curious about her. And I could see where you're coming from there. And especially if it's, oh, another girl and you, if it's right. not, hey, in all my past relationships, I've been with multiple partners and I'd like to continue that. How do you feel? Then it's one thing. But if it's, hey, I'm looking at you and all I could think of is you, me, and another girl would be amazing. Then I'd be like, mm. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's all dependent on how that conversation went down. But the reality is people don't have that discussion when they first meet. It is. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And I don't think most guys can come out and go, hey, I'd love to have sex with multiple partners when he first starts talking to somebody because well and then there that's the reverse that's a complete turn any girl just meeting a guy for the first time and hearing oh he likes multiple he just needs an excuse to cheat Mm -hmm. he's just coming out the door with that because he wants me to know that he's just going to cheat on me no matter what but if we were all fucking open and honest with our opinions (laughs) and what we wanted in life maybe relationships would go a little smoother Or maybe if people weren't shitty and constantly trying to do a shitty thing to somebody (laughs) Fair enough. Then we wouldn't have to worry about coming off like a weirdo who wants to. But then, again, chicken or the egg thing here. If we were honest, (laughs) would we have to cheat? And then (laughs) I just. I will. Okay. No, swinging is not an excuse for cheating. No. Just because you. No one said that. (laughs) I'm just saying that in a relationship, if at the beginning you're open and honest with your feelings and what you're interested in, you don't get stuck two, three, four years later down the line and go, Hey, I've been thinking about this for the last three, four years. What do you think? Only to hear, uh, no fucking way, beat it. Yeah. Now either it's still stuck in your head, or you're like, okay, well, I'll just push that down. Or right. you're right. going to be off going, you're hmm, I want to chase this. And I, and I understand that too. Yes. I like the open and honest so approach I. that she took. I, I think that's fantastic. I, I think it is fantastic. And I wish that the world was a place where more people could be like that easily. And unfortunately, just not the case. Hopefully so. Right now. Yes. More Hump Day Quickies episodes and we'll make it normalized. We'll do it. Yeah, it's just so unfortunate. Violet kind of touched on the fact that monogamy is just the way of the world. And that when she thought about her parents' relationship, she felt that thinking about being with one person and only that person for the rest of your life and not having sex with anybody else was very constrictive. And she has pushed those boundaries in her life to the point where she is enjoying the best of both worlds. But unfortunately, you have monogamy people out there who think that monogamy is the only way that is possible to exist. But one of the things I love about Violet is her I don't give a fuck what you think attitude. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying I love that about her. It's unfortunate that it's 
And here we go back into, it's unfortunate that we live in a world that a good portion of people, a good huge percentage of people feel that the standard typical way of going about a loving relationship is to only be monogamous within that relationship and not be able to step out of those boundaries and still have a loving relationship and still be seen in the public eye as a couple who loves and adores each other and cares so much about each other. But it just so happens that we also enjoy sex with other people as well. You hear it all the time on other podcasts where their friends will be like, oh my God, can you believe so-and-so cheated on somebody else? And this is great. I love hearing these stories. I can't believe they're cheating on this. But then, oh, well, I'm a swinger. And like, oh, and they just, they can't comprehend the fact that you're having sex with other people and this is so disgusting, but they're so turned on by the stories of cheating. It's like, why Yeah, why does why it is have to different? be it, a nasty thing for it to be sexy? And then all of a sudden when it's being done right and everybody knows about it, it's on, on the up and up. Oh no. So, oh, you guys are gross. That's why gross. would you That's do that? That's disgusting. Why would you? Yeah. It makes life just that much more difficult when you're in a swinger's shoes and you're trying to promote how amazing swinging is for either your own relationship or how you've seen it affect other people's relationships and how you know that it works. It's just, there's so many judgy. And it's weird because like I'm in a couple Facebook groups to follow some drama filled things that revolve around swingers. And there's lots of vanilla people in those groups and they will tear down swinging every chance that they get. They will tear it down and say, that's why I don't swing. That's why you don't swing that because the relationship is between two people and you don't bring in anybody else. And they just, I mean, oh my gosh, the number of times I just want to chime in and be like, yeah, but we're watching a train wreck. That's not the standard swinging type scenario. Now, what's interesting is that I bet a lot of these quote unquote vanilla people are the ones that still might have had a threesome or occasionally just have a threesome with their partner. And oh, it's just fun because we're just doing something at the bar, just bringing somebody we're back We're drunk. The bar. We were drunk and it was just a good time then, but we're, we're never doing it again. <laughs> it wasn't lifestyle. We don't have to do it. It goes back to what are the labels? What makes somebody in the lifestyle or a swinger or ethically non-monogamous? Well, even Violet touched on it. She said it's so, when you say you're in the lifestyle, it is so broad. Mm -hmm. There's no one definition of if you say I'm in the lifestyle, that could mean so many different things about where our relationship is and what we do in our whole dynamic. You can't just corner somebody with that. Right. But at the same time, there are people that feel that they're in the lifestyle that never touch another person, never play with another person. Well, maybe just do that threesome once every 10 years, but they consider themselves in the lifestyle because they're, they're accepting open to, to that. Yeah. But then there are the people that every other weekend end up at the bar and their wife's trying to make out with her friends and all that. But oh no, we, we're not swingers. We're just kissing our yeah. girlfriends. She just and, gets sexy when she's been yeah. drinking. <laughs> so we're really on a soapbox this week. About, we really are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should step down. <laughs> Stepping down. So the next thing Violet is talking about is their first experience with somebody they found on Craigslist. Mike. Mike. And it was so funny with... I bet you don't even know his name. (laughs) Fucking Mike. (laughs) All I could think was this young man, maybe he had many experiences or maybe this was his first also, but he's walking around with a story of, yeah, so I just randomly answered this Craigslist ad and here I got a blowjob and it was super hot. (laughs) He's walking around. Do you think he's telling like all these people? (laughs) 
<laughs> he's just running around with the story. Or maybe, you know, maybe he's maybe moved he's on, on from somebody that. somebody else's podcast. Who knows? <laughs> you do have to wonder what the other side of those stories are. Yeah. Especially on those one-timers. Well, I'm just picturing a really young guy, like, who's just kind of figuring out his life. And he's like, yeah, I, I just kind of want to fuck somebody, but I don't want a relationship. So I'm going to put this Craigslist ad out and just say, like, looking for people to fuck. I don't know. I don't even know what his ad said or if what his response was. We didn't ask. We should have asked. And then she goes on to talk about how their first then experience at, in a club environment, they pull in the parking lot. I actually had to laugh to myself when she was like, yeah, we spent over an hour sitting in the car and I'm just scoping out what the girls are wearing and trying to get my nerve up. I'm like, isn't that just so much the story we hear? And I know it was my own too, because I know when we pulled in, I was like, oh my gosh, we didn't have a parking lot when I went to the club for the first time. It was just on a street in a relatively busy social bar area. You had to walk down the street in whatever you were wearing, which might have been next to nothing. Luckily for me, it was Halloween. And so it was not questionable if people were out of typical wear. That day would definitely be acceptable for costumes. <laughs> Even so, I was still terribly nervous. Like the door to the club was just a random door on like a brick building. It was, yeah. There was nothing fancy to it. There was no big sign. There wasn't like a big advertisement that here is a bar or anything else. So it was really <laughs> unnerving to to walk up to something like that. I don't know if you do it when we pull into the club. Even the last time that we went to a club, I noticed that there were three different cars with the lights on in the car. Oh, yeah, people scanning. People sitting in the car. <laughs> talking and trying to build up the courage to go through that front door. Oh yeah, I've seen it a million times. I'm like, oh, they must be new or this must be first or second time. You know, usually and it I takes was, a couple times. I would say I was still nervous my 15th, 20th time going to one of the first clubs that I went to. I think a big thing for me is knowing if I've dressed appropriately. So even now, even though we walk in, we don't spend time in the parking lot. My very first thought as I'm opening that door and I'm seeing all the people there, I'm scanning all of the girls. I'm like, Am I at least within the right vicinity of who followed the theme? Yeah. How into who, the theme yes. are they? <laughs> Frequently, I feel like I follow the theme too much, we, and I'll look. We at, love the themes, so I'll look at other people, and I'll, I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't have to go that far. I'm just we, taking it a step back. We do play along very well with the theme nights, <laughs> yes. and a lot of people are like, well, yeah, let's just go to the club. And there's other times I just give in and I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to... Black is classic. Always safe. (laughs) Always safe. (laughs) Stick with a mini black skirt and little top. But I think one of the reasons that we do follow the theme so much is that we have found, best way to phrase it, is our home club. Yes. And a place where we're comfortable. The reason we're not nervous walking in the door is because there are so many people there that we know. The last time we went to the club, we walked in. We couldn't make it past the first corner of the bar because we ran into people and then we just people kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And next thing I know, it's one thirty in the fucking morning and we haven't made it Even five feet bar. into yeah. the bar. This is definitely something that Violet is touching on when she says that the first handful of clubs that they tried out because they were just, you know, the first ones on the Google search were not their style. They didn't love them or, you know, one was a kink one, which wasn't their style. They kind of listed all of the things that just didn't fit their mojo. Right. And I love that they ended up finding one that did because 
I feel like that's very much us. I got lucky enough that you have been around the block enough times that you kind of have found our club (laughs) before you met me (laughs) and then pulled me into that. So that was really nice. Almost like a I'm just happy you tried the club that I was at for the first time and not the other one and gone, eh, not for me. No need to do clubs. I'm talking specifically about clubs just because that's what Violet and Picasso ended up feeling like worked best for them. That's where they found it was easier to make a transition to that sexual time because you are all in the club and 90% of the time you're all there to... Which is crazy (laughs) because at the house, there's still a room where you can go have sex. And if you're standing in the club and you're like, hey, you want to go in that room and have sex? If somebody's come to your house, it should be just as easy as, hey, you want to go in that room and have sex? I don't know. And I still don't don't understand why it's so hard. The club atmosphere is different. It is a sexy dance club. And that goes back to where we have our dates that are more tame vanilla, just chit-chatting away with good friends. Yeah. And to transition from that good friends to let's fuck is is difficult. Yep. But then we still hang out with those same exact friends at the club. And, and it transitions relatively quickly. No, it doesn't. We it sit does there talking too. We till can. fucking t- just last time we stopped sat there talking till one thirty in the morning until they were that, like, hey, no, let's that's go. not fair because you can't count that because that's not it was not one set of friends. It the night you're talking about, we hadn't been to the club in over a month. Fair. On top of that, we hadn't seen half of these people even before that when we were at the club for a while. So the people who showed up that night were long lost friends at that point. I mean, you know, we I hadn't totally seen, get it. So you but can't at the same say time. that we have trouble transitioning in that moment. We have trouble prioritizing what's important. Is it more important that we say hi to our friends or is it more important that we rush back into a bedroom? And for us, it's always more important that we say hi to our friends. Right. Because so, that's what we love about the lifestyle so I don't is think hanging in, out. In your scenario, I don't think that we had trouble transitioning. I think it was a, a matter of we just want to say hi to all of these people we have not seen in forever. How many times has Echo or Falcon said, so are we doing this or what? My perspective is when it's me you and just one other couple typically the conversation comes up pretty early on are we gonna do this versus when it's me you another couple and then another couple where we have the more some going on where maybe everybody wants more some but we're not sure how to broach the subject and then we have to find a room that accommodates a more some but i do feel the more some's a little harder to get over that uh hump of here we are hanging up playing pool here now we have to get or us Tony and Gina. into the room. <laughs> yeah. Or you get yourself some friends that are really good at that uh, and then hang out with them. Don't fuck around <laughs> and say, all right, let's go. Are we, we're Just here for this, right? Find let's yourself an echo and get her real ramped up and we'll be headed into a room before you know it. Another thing that Violet brings up is how the lifestyle seems to be exploding on TikTok. And we have talked to a lot of people in the lifestyle that aren't overly thrilled by this. For me, this is a love-hate relationship with the idea that swinging is blowing up in social media, TikTok, Facebook, even podcasting. I feel like I've seen a lot more podcasts about it. Twitter, it's everywhere. It's everywhere now. It's becoming more mainstream. I love that for swinging. I love that it's getting out there and people are becoming more aware of it. And maybe with the exposure that will maybe turn it into a less disgusted type of if it's less closeted, then people won't go, oh, there's just that one random person in our city that does this. Who's and- a sw- yeah, and yep. then there are the weird ones. Yeah. So I love that for swinging. 
However, on the reverse, you have a lot of people out there using swinging as a way to get likes, as a way to get themselves up the ranks in things, because the more shocking you are in your value of your content, the more you're going to move up those ranks. And then, you know, you get your views and you get... And unfortunately, they've learned that people love drama. And then they make the swinging the drama and it and that's just the, looks really bad for yep. us then. So now we're on the reverse where, sure, we're getting the spotlight, but are we getting the spotlight for the right reasons? And then that's the conundrum, right? I love... The people that go on and answer the questions. I love that they emphasize this is our opinion, but everybody has a different opinion. But from our experience, this is what it is. Yeah. The people that come in with the drama looking for the clickbait, I don't feel is helping anything besides themselves. And then it's encouraging the people who already have a distaste for it. It now gives those people reasons to say, yeah, I didn't like swinging in the first place and I was being judgmental. But now I follow this account on TikTok and they're just a train wreck. So see, I knew I was right. See, that's exactly what, you know. Oh, the and number so, of wives that have brought this shit to their husband. Going, oh I told boy. you this is why we shouldn't do it. We can't do it because look what happened to these crazy people. <laughs> it's such a love hate relationship for me because I, you know, you want it out there, but then unfortunately, getting it out there by means of actual true information that's legit and not going to hurt us in some way—that's the hard part. It is, and I like hard things. Yes, you do. But just not that part. You like hard parts too, so. That hard part. So. It's not that hard part. So back off our soapbox again. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus, yes. <laughs> Sorry. I do wonder, there <laughs> has been several comments, it, not only from Violet, but also in the past from some of our guests in the past about, it's not like swinging in the 70s. And then it kind of occurred to me that maybe we're being judgmental of the 70s swingers. Maybe they were really just cool people that just wanted to and then Hang a story out. got out about a key party. It's like, oh, and now it's that's the weird thing, really. <laughs> but now, think about it. Like, well, well, first of all, if any of our listeners were swingers in the seventies, we would love to have you come on and interview you because we need to like quash this. Uh, I'll, I'll wait patiently for that email. Stop. <laughs> if you think about it, back then there wasn't websites that you could sign on to. Right. There wasn't TikToks where you could see that, oh yeah, other people are doing this. At best, there were magazines where you could write a letter and create a box <laughs> where people would send letters to, and then eventually you might get a letter back in your community. People would just have a friend over, and if things started going that way, they'd kind of hint at it, and then, oh my God, can you believe George and his wife were flirting with us? <laughs> and they run off and tell their friends, and then it just grows from there. Oh my God, we went to this party, and we walked in the door. They asked us to put our keys in the bowl, and I just, there was a woman walking around without her top on and oh my god it's, and so that's how, how it's would spread. you find that group of people wait what is this called it's a key party really well i want to throw a key party who was all there like it's <laughs> who exchanged their keys at this party it's the or is same it like as, a secret and then like sorry. it's the same as dating now if i had the technology that the kids that these kids do nowadays <laughs> I, I couldn't believe what it would be like. I'm talking about in the 70s. I know, but it's just the technology that's become so much easier for us as swingers now Yeah. versus then. Like you said, where the fuck do you meet these people? How how do you find enough swingers to throw a key party? Right. In if, the, if there's no clubs. No, and it's, yeah, you have no website. It's You have to randomly find one person who happened to know another person and then, oh, hopefully the six of us get along great. And okay, oh, you know somebody else? Oh, great. Now there's eight of but us. But I, like, I feel like the free flowing hippie type 
people would have been the people who, oh yeah, she's got her top off. You know, she's high all her, the time. Like her I mean, walking around in that bikini top all the time. Yeah, and, I feel yeah. like those hippie people would. Those, oh, hippie, those hippie people. people. Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I feel like they may have been easier to find than we think. <laughs> Key parties were just when you aged out of the appropriateness of being topless at a concert or something. <laughs> it was like, well, now what? We're just going to invite our friends over and be topless together. Love. Free love. I miss the 70s. I wish I, I wish I could have done that. If everybody was as open now. Well, now we're starting to get there. We're starting to get a little more open now. Yeah, but it's not the same like love everybody and peace and all that. No. It's, it's quite a bit changed from that. Anyway, Violet jumped at the opportunity. Well, I won't say jumped, but thought about it and then jumped at the opportunity to be a resource to a couple that overheard her talking about swinging. And I love this, by the way. How how do you not? I wish, again, this goes back to why can't we be more open talking about this? And then somebody goes, hey, I heard you talking about this. Tell me a little more. I believe the best place to get your swinging information is from other local swingers. And I say that because looking up articles on Reddit and looking up TikToks and other social media things, you're going to have skewed information and you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know in what direction it's skewed. If you are capable of reaching out to other swingers who are currently participating in the swinging community around you, I feel they are going to be your best resource. That I never even thought of that and that's fucking brilliant because the way people do things around us is going to be different than different than other places Mm -hmm. and the clubs are different and the scenes are different and so the best swinging advice i've ever gotten has always been from people that we've met through our club website which is local to us and not everybody not every couple not every swinger wants to be a resource so unfortunately you kind of have to find one who's willing to or who wants to be that for you so i love it when people are willing to give you their point of view give you their opinions and point you in a direction that might work for you and your relationship but what i also love about them is the fact that they started down this venture by a simple text message back and forth discussing fantasies. And, and they were open from the very beginning. Yep. The idea of just texting your partner, hey, what's your fantasy? Just give me something crazy and seeing where it builds. Yeah. And if you're trying to guide it in a direction and see if they ask something back to you or maybe their fantasy is very clearly, oh, you know what? Maybe I should keep mine to myself. I don't want to, don't keep yours to yourself. Fucking be honest. That's that's my <laughs> that's thing. Whole point, yes. We talk fantasies all the time. Do we? Or I talk, <laughs> I talk my fantasies all the time and you keep your fantasies to yourself because you don't want me to turn your fantasies into reality. <laughs> We've had this discussion one too many times, even some on mic, some off mic. But yes, (laughs) there are some fantasies I prefer to keep as fantasies. I don't understand the point. I feel Violet and Picasso went in the opposite direction of most people, where they started with no boundaries yes, and then gradually added some. Yes, which is a huge difference from what we typically hear. Most is, you know, start with every rule under the sun and just knock them down as you... As far as right and wrong ways, I can see starting with more rules being more successful because if you start with fewer and then do something that hurts somebody's feelings, destroys somebody's feelings, I could see the, all right, I'm out. Yeah, but I could also see that happening with lots of rules because if you think about it if you have so many rules that you end up breaking one or two inadvertently 
me mm-hmm. in the process of things, then now you've broken rules and it was purposeful. It really could go both ways. It could. I You're think right. that their way, they may have had more opportunities to learn and then to make the rules based on what they learned, but maybe nobody was at fault at that point. You know what I mean? Whereas mm-hmm. if you have all these rules, somebody broke the rules and now you have a finger pointing at the person who broke the rule, but were there really too many rules in the first place? Were they just not well thought out? So yeah. I don't know. I don't know which way to go. I think it's how you trust your relationship and what you need. If your relationship needs those boundaries and needs those rules set in place, then maybe that's the way you go. Maybe if you're more of a, you know what, if we make a mistake, we'll learn and we'll adjust from there. Then maybe this way works for you to each their own. Absolutely. Yeah. So they started where we're at now. And that's what I love about you. Thanks for joining us for a Hump Day Quickie. We hope this brought you some midweek excitement. If you have your own confession you'd like to share with us and our audience, please call 844-4HUMPDAY and leave us a message. Can't wait to hear your sexy stories. Bye.